you support the public meetings of this church like you do. And uh, I hope and I pray that you'll just keep on keeping on till the Lord comes and gets us. I do. Because it's a miserable time when you uh, come to the house of God and just have a pitiful few to stay faithful. And I sure am glad that that's not the case here. Look in John chapter 10 with me, if you will. And look at verse number 41. We'll start with 40. It says, and, uh, well, let's see, 39 says, Therefore they sought again to take him, speaking of Jesus, but he escaped out of their hand. Verse 40. And went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized. And there he abode. Here's the text verse tonight if we need one. It says, And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle. Now they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, John did no miracle. But all things that John spake of this man, speaking of Jesus, were true. And many believed on him there. Now I want you to underscore in your mind, if not in your Bible, that little phrase, it says that John did no miracle. And I want to I wanna hammer that little truth in our heart tonight. And if you'll pray for me, I would appreciate it and certainly covet that. Steve, I'm going to ask you to lead us. And as we pray, pray for the preacher, pray for the preaching, and pray that God's Word tonight would have an impact on our walk as we pray. Pray for me, please. Lord Jesus, I pray, Father, that you would come down in this place tonight in power, that you would give the preacher liberty to preach, not for his own comfort and not for his own exuberance, Lord, but I pray in Jesus' name that you'd give him liberty for your glory, dear God, and that you would strengthen him and encourage us through that preaching. And God, I pray that he would become a mouthpiece, Lord, and I ask you that you would send down bread from the oven of glory, that it would be absolutely undeniable that it's from the throne room of grace, and we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you can be seated. There are... Some great churches today that we don't know anything about. Some of them we do. There's some great ministries today. We we know some of them and some of them we don't. That are doing great things for God. And I don't think that you could call what's going on miraculous. In the definition of a modern day definition of miracle. We're living in a day when people who say they are miracle workers or miraculously gifted for miracles, they have a following that is miles long. But we're also living in a day when people wonder, and I've had, I've had people ask me, why don't we see miracles in our day like the days of the Bible. And 
And, and why don't we have the evidence of miracles in our services like they did in the Bible? Well, I'm not going into why God did all that He'd done back there because a lot of it, I don't know why it all happened like it did. I do know this. I read about some things in there that I've never seen happen here. I've not seen anybody raised from the dead here. And if I do, I'm leaving. I'm joking. I would shout with you and praise God with you as long as I knew the Lord done it. But I wouldn't be a little shocked and a little taken back at something that drastic, wouldn't you? I've never seen that. There's a lot of things that happened in the Bible that I've never seen transpire in my life. Does that make me a less Christian than it does somebody who professes to have seen those things? I'll let you be judge of that. But I will say this, that there was no greater born of woman than John the Baptist. And the Bible says that John done no miracles. He did not. You cannot find in the Word of God one time where ever raised anybody from the dead. He never walked on water. He never walked into a place to where the lepers were and healed the lepers. Uh, there's not one reco uh, recorded miracle that John ever done, yet Jesus said of his life, there's no greater born of woman than John the Baptist. Now, there's three lessons that we can learn from John about miracles, and I'm going to give them to you. Number one, he lifted the message he was given, and he preached the message he was given, and he delivered the message he was given, whether he's seen any miracles or not. Are you listening? He was not doing it for evidence. He was doing it for obedience. He was not doing it for what he could see happen. He was doing it for the one who had already made something wonderful happen in him, and that is for the glory of the one that called him. Ladies and gentlemen, he lifted the message. God, John the Baptist was a forerunner. John the Baptist had a message that was to be preached, and that message was... Uh, behold the Lamb of God. Look at Jesus. He was called to glorify another. He was called to magnify another. He was not called to be a miracle worker. He was called to lift up the message. He said, there's one that is going to come after me of whose shoe latches I am not worthy to even unlace. He said, he's going to come and I, I'm going to prepare the way for him and he's going to set the record straight. He's going to do that which is absolutely miraculous and great for the glory of his Father. But John never had a part. But John lifted the message and preached it, whether he saw miracles or not. He did it in his place, Matthew 3 and 1. The Bible says, and John came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. He didn't have a great pulpit. He didn't have a great crowd. He didn't have the great fanfare. 
He did not have the great promotion or the promoter. He did not have all of the greatest or the fastest growing or the best. But he had a message from God. And he lifted that message up. And out of the wilderness come one crying unto God and unto people for the glory of God. Uh, he lifted that message in his place. He lifted that message in his preaching. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 2. The Bible said, He came preaching the Lamb, the Lord, and the one that was lifted for, his, uh, for our help and for our salvation. And He lifted that message in His practice. Matthew 3 and 5. Then went out to the, He went out to them in Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the regions round about Jordan. They went out to be baptized of John. Old John just kept doing what God called him to do. God wasn't looking for evidence, or John wasn't looking for evidence. God wasn't, or John wasn't going to do it because of what he got out of it. John wasn't going to do it because God had put his stamp of approval on it. John wasn't looking for some group, or some religious crowd, or some religious sect to put their stamp of approval on it. He knew what God called him to do, and he was doing. Can somebody help me glorify the Lord? You don't have to be a miracle worker. Just do what God's called you to do. Amen, church. He lifted the message of whether it produced a miracle or not. He said, y'all look yonder. The one who is worthy to look at. Look yonder. He's the one worthy for us to sponsor. Look yonder. Do what you do. For that one. Get your eyes off of me. Get your eyes off of what I do. <laughs> and get your eyes on the one who is worthy to look at. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to make much of Jesus and little of everybody else. We need to exalt the Lord. We need to elevate Jesus. And we don't need to care if we ever get it back. Huh. Number one, the Bible lesson that we can learn is he lifted the message where it produced a miracle or not. Tonight, somewhere in the Midwest, there's an old boy somewhere around Wyoming, or like two old boys I know in Idaho, or like an old boy I know over there in Portland, or like another preacher, Brother Larry Hoyle and Zeke and his wife over in Montana. You know how cold it is tonight in Montana. You know how much snow is on the ground in Utica, New York. Do you know how much snow is on the ground tonight in the Midwest? Do you know how many miles upon miles upon miles there is between one ranch after another? And somewhere out there in Dillon, Montana, where I've been, out there in Butte, Montana, where I've flown into, there's some little old churches with a dim light lit out yonder in the woods, out yonder in the weeds, and uh, some ranchers have gathered together and built that little old place, and God sent them an old boy that didn't, didn't mind ran back and opened his mouth for the glory of God. He don't see the sword of the Lord come. He don't see great and mighty. He don't get letters from the hot shots in the fundamental movement. He don't even know what's going on. All that he knows is God gave him a message. Somewhere off 
in the backwoods of North Carolina, somewhere up in Boone or around Todd, population of 73 or 75. Little backwoods churches, off up in a glimmering light, sitting on the side of the hill. I, all you can see is a little steeple sticking up above the trees. And they're meeting under that steeple are some folk that God has plucked out of hell. And somebody's preaching to them. You talk to them, you say, have you ever seen 300 in your church? 300 in the church? We've never seen 300 in our town. You say, have you ever been to a big civic auditorium and seen thousands of people worship where Billy Graham preaches just on TV? Have you ever had the masses come to seek for you to baptize them? Oh, no, I baptized a few last year. Have you... Have you ever seen the great budgets and received the great offerings like we've been blessed to see here? Oh, we, we average about $1,200 a week. Do, they, do you think you'll ever see anything great and mighty and miraculous and marvelous? I, I don't reckon so, Brother Brown. But I'll tell you this. While God lets me open that Bible... And while God lets me have sense enough to open my mouth and form a sentence, they'll say, I'm going to take the message God gave me. And if I never see what you've seen, if I never experience what John experienced, if I never see what Jack Howe's done, if I never meet and shake hands with Billy Graham, good God Almighty, I'm still going to do what God called me to do. I'll tell you something you can learn from old John the Baptist. He did no miracles, but entrusted with the message of repentant faith, he stood beside the river Jordan and said, You vipers. He said, You, you, you hypocrites. He said, You Sadducees and Pharisees. Let me lay this on you. When you live a life worthy of baptism, come back and check with me. Until you change your lifestyle and demonstrate your faith in Christ, go on! When you get right with God, come back. I'll baptize you. And Jesus thought enough of him to let him baptize him. And he said, Behold, y'all want to see one worthy enough to baptize you under he comes. Behold the Lamb of God. And he baptized him. I consider that miraculous. The writer of the Scripture and the Holy Ghost does not equate that as a miracle. But I'll tell you today, whether you ever see great things come from what you do does not determine whether you keep doing it. And you need to hear that. Number two, before I move, can I apply this? I was taught in college to make applications. You have three or four or five or six. Now, I'll be honest with you. I think you can do better than three, four, five, or six in your class if you put some time in. I'll be honest with you. I think any Sunday school teacher who does any kind of activity and work and phone calling and loving people, I think you can probably do a little bit better than three or four or five. And I believe you think that. It's just hard to find the time and the discipline to do it. But if you do... You can build a Sunday school class in America today.
But let me say something to you. You've got five or six or seven or whatever you got in that class, and some of you call them and they still don't come. Uh, some of you beg them and, and, and you're tired of begging them and they don't come, and you're doing the best you can. You don't have a miraculous class. You don't have a miraculous gift to teach. You stutter a little bit every once in a while to try to put an illustration together. You have to read it ten times in order to memorize it, and then after you read it ten times and memorize it, you get in there and try to tell it, it's to do it, to do it, to do it, to do it. To do it. That's all, folks. You feel like Elmer Fudd instead of a Sunday school teacher. I want to say something to you. You may never see the miraculous, but if God's called you and God's given you a message, you tell that message the best you can and you give it to the glory of God. And may I say to you, let the outcome be judged by the Holy Ghost and you do your best for Him. Number two, notice He lifted the message whether it produced a miracle or not. And He lived by faith whether He'd ever seen a miracle or not. Let me say something to you. Miracles do not produce faith. I want to say it again. Miracles do not produce faith. Now, Rod Parsley won't tell you that, and I love him. I've got no problem with him. Just because he's not a Baptist, I'm not out with him. I hear him every once in a while preach, and I think for the most part Rod Parsley preaches the gospel. I don't have any problem with it. But he will not tell you that. He will tell you that miracles produce faith because when you see miracles, you have faith in what you see. What you see is not what should produce faith. Whether you ever see anything or not, faith is what God gives you to believe Him. And may I say this? Miracles do not produce faith, but faith will produce a miracle. The Bible does not say the just shall live by miracles. The Bible does not tell us, nor does the Bible, am I right, does not teach us that, uh, that without miracles it's impossible to please God. It says without faith it's impossible to please God. And faith will work in your life when miracles are absent. In your life, we are we are seeing. I think it's a miracle. Now, just to be honest with you, I think it's a miracle when a hundred over a hundred eighty thousand dollars is received in one offering out of this crowd. If you don't believe that's an, a, a, a miracle, you don't know this crowd. I didn't tell a whole lot of people that I knew real well about it because I didn't want to have to explain it. Then it say things like, how do you get that much money <laughs> out of that church full of homeless? How do you get that much money out of a church full of middle class working people? I don't know if you've checked lady, uh, lately, but, but most rich people got rich keepers. Most of what a rich man gives leaves him so much to live on, he can't go bankrupt. Middle class people and poor people have always kept God's economy balanced. I think it's a miracle when you see a hundred 
and $80,000 plus come in one Sunday and go deposit it in the bank the next day or that night. Go deposit that kind of money in the bank out of this crowd. <laughs> but let me say this. We've been here. What is the date today? The second Sunday in January. When is that? This one? Is today the second Sunday in January? 30? Listen to this. I didn't even know this. 30 years ago today, I preached the first sermon in my living room in this church. I didn't even think about it until just then. We did not organize until Mother's Day, May. But I left Broad Street two weeks ago, and we started in my house the second Sunday morning in January 30 years ago today without miracles. You couldn't have got a dollar and eighty cents. We went eleven weeks. Diane and I found groceries on our porch. Twenty dollar bills stuck in the horn on our car. We found help. We found provision. We found substance. Everywhere we turned, God provided. Listen to this. Thirty years. And I never had one working day on a job in the public. This church 30 years ago tonight has on its record, it has always taken care, fed, clothed, gave medicine to, and sheltered, and loved, and came to preaching on behalf of this preacher. I'm going to tell you something. There is a crown in glory that people in this fellowship will wear just by being faithful to the house of God because it is a place of faith. But in a place of faith, 30 years later, we're seeing miracles. <laughs> God, I'm doing some preaching. If I am doing it, it's good. I ain't got none of this wrote down, but I'm getting some of it for you. Or maybe it's for me. He said he lived by faith whether he had seen a miracle or not. Oh, listen to me. You and I live by faith, not by sight. We do what we do because we're called to do it. Because God called us out. We're not looking for evidence. We're looking for faith. And as you live by faith, the evidences will follow. What does the Bible give us as the definition of faith? The substance of things hoped for. That, that means you've got substance in your mind and you're hoping for it. And then it becomes the evidence. God provides what you're hoping for. And that's what faith does. It brings into the now what God has laid up in the then. God deposits in your daily living by faith. If you live by faith, He'll deposit into your daily living what you need to live another day. I can remember when we didn't have a building. I can remember when we didn't have a piano. I can remember when we didn't have any songbooks. 
I can remember when the when one group of Baptists that we left was mad at us and the other group of Baptists over here wouldn't receive us because they thought we were still of the crowd that was mad at us. And I can remember just being in no man's land wondering, what will we do? What will we see? What will happen? What will be accomplished? And all the time, having to live by faith, didn't have no choice except to trust God by faith. And now, because of substance hoped for, now I'm getting to live in my dreams. I can walk out of this church tonight and walk around the building and see the vision of 30 years being planted as seed in the bottom of land given to us by the Holy Ghost. That is the substance of things drawn up in our minds and the evidence of the unseen is being fulfilled and is becoming seeable because we're living not by sight but by faith. May I say something to you? We preach by faith not by miraculous sight. We, we sing by faith not by miraculous sight. We, we go to college by faith. We teach by faith. We soul win by faith. We are living by faith. <laughs> whether I see a miracle, whether I ever have a miracle attached to ministry here, I am not worried about it. Because John did no miracle, and yet John was one of the greatest ever born of women. But he pleased God because he lived by faith whether he ever experienced the doing of a miracle or not. Here's the last one. Let me give it to you and we'll go home. He loved the miracle maker, not the miracles he made. Number one, John had a message. That message was to be a forerunner. He was not to be a miracle inspector or a miracle looker or a demander of miracles. He had a message, and he preached that message, whether it had a miracle in it or not. That's what we're to do. Number two, he lived by faith. He was not called to live by what he saw or felt, nor was he called to live by the sensation of life. But by faith, sometimes faith will not show itself miraculously. Sometimes you just got to trust God and believe Him. And He'll always come through. And number three, He loved the miracle maker, not the miracles He made. John was in love with Jesus. John wasn't looking for his own feathered cap. John wasn't looking for his own feathered nest. John wasn't doing what he was doing for himself. He loved the one who was the miracle maker more than the miracles he made. Let me ask you this. How many fathers in this place would like to father a child the only time he ever hugged his neck was when he gave him something? How many of you, I know I'm a grandpapa, and some of you, many of you are too, and I'm also a father, and I'll just be honest with you. The definition of a spoiled brat to me is a child who wants what you got 
and stomps his feet to get it and cares nothing about the one who gave it to him. I promise you this, if I've got a grandchild, and they'll tell you, or if I've got a child that expects me to be sugar daddy to them all the time, they're going to be taught a huge lesson. But I'll tell you what, if one of them comes and crawls up in my lap and says, I love you, Papa, I'll empty the bank for the little sucker. You let one of them come and rub my head and tell me, your hair's growing. Bless God, I'll go to the bank and borrow money. They're laughing. <laughs> Are you listening? You let one of them crawl up, Papa. I love you. What do you want, boy? Nothing. I just come to tell you. That's your life, and I'm thankful for what you do for. Why, you don't mind giving everything you've got to a kid like that. I'd give that to your grandchildren. Well, what's the difference in always running to God, demanding a miracle, demanding God to do something, demanding God to give us, God to tingle us, God to tickle us? May I say something to you? You can get a whole lot more with God scrooching and cuddling than you can expecting and demanding. Oh, John loved God. And John loved the miracle maker more than he loved the miracle. And it was demonstrated in his loneliness. He said this in John 3 and 30, I must decrease and he must increase. I must Get out of the way! And he must get in the way. He also demonstrated his love not only in his loneliness, but his loyalty. He, in his example, he had disciples, and he taught them of one to come after him. Uh, he, 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 he taught loyalty not only in his example, but his exhortation. He exhorted in John 1, 6 through 8. He said, I'm not the light, but I come to bear witness of the light. Oh, he was loyal in his exit. When he exited, he told his disciples to follow Jesus. Gave up his own ministerial association and told them to follow the Lord. You'll find this boy lowly. You'll find this boy uh, loyal. <laughs> There's something else you'll find out about it. You'll find out he had a legacy. <laughs> I like this. The Bible said about John in John 16 and 13 and 14, Matthew 14, 1 and 2, and Mark 6 and 16, Herod heard about Jesus, and I'm done. Herod heard about Jesus preaching the marvelous gospel of power and healing. And Herod said, I wonder... If this the John the Baptist come back to life. Oh, John left such a legacy. He might not have never seen a miracle that he done. He might not have never had a miracle at, with his name manufactured stamped on the bottom. But I'd like to tell you, that old boy left a legacy that gave, gave Herod nightmares. <laughs> oh, yes. He loved the miracle maker more than he loved the miracle and we're not to fall in love with what God does for us we're to fall in love with God somebody praise him right now give me those three brother Newton if you would
Here's three lessons that we learned from John the Baptist. Now, John did no miracle, but John had a message, and he gave that message whether it had miracles or not. John did no miracle, but John lived by faith whether he had a miracle to show him to or not. John did no miracle, but he loved the miracle maker more than he loved the miracles that he made. Tonight, I want to encourage you. Listen close. Here's the invitation. You may have a simple life. You may have a normal existence. You may be just a Baptist member in a Baptist church. But I want to tell you something. You don't have to be miraculous to please God. You don't have to be a miracle worker to have God know who you are and write your name down in heaven. And you don't have to be successful to be spiritual. And you don't have to have a lot of things to impress a lot of people. All you need to know is though there was no man born of woman that was any greater than John, yet John was asked to do the same thing you and I are, and that is not to work miracles. Just preach the message, live by faith, and love the one that works the miracles if he chooses to. Amen. How many of you get out of your seat and come and kneel on this altar and say, I want to ask God to give me a deeper love for Him than I have for what He does. I don't want to see a bunch of church members come to church because they see baptism. I want you to love God whether there's any baptisms in the baptistry or not. I don't want to see you. That's everybody stand and make it easy for people to get out. I don't want to see you come and gawk at people standing here joining the church. It's wonderful to get to see the Lord do that. But if we don't get to see it at all, Let's still give God praise and glory because, listen, we need to love Him, not what He does. And fall in love with who He is, not what He accomplishes. Brother Hurt, pray for us, please. Lord Jesus, this evening we bow our heads before...